Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. What implications does the paranormal have for religious belief? What is the Montauk Project? We're all still here, so whatever became of our predictions, uh, which weren't really predictions for the 2012 to 2016 period. Hello and welcome to the 783rd edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno here on WOON, 1240 AM and 99.3 FM. Uh, and this is our 11th year on the air. I'm Ben, and those varied questions came from my co-host, partner in the paranormal, and dad, Paul. And uh, today we bring you the first of two back-to-back open-line shows to try and catch up on some of our uh, listener questions on many aspects of the paranormal, pretty much ranging all over the place, as you heard from the intro. Uh, we welcome your phone calls today. The numbers are, uh, well, the, num- the singular number is uh, 401-766-1240. And uh, you can also email paul at behindtheparanormal.com. And you can also message us on Facebook as well. And also joining us today is our popular guest co-host, Shane Searway. So welcome back, Shane. And uh, Shane's looking very dapper, uh, joining the club here with a beard and glasses. Yes, I, as, new as, development are the glasses. Yes, as we have uh, suggested uh, in the past, uh, it looks uh, looks really great. Well, now okay. we can really call ourselves the Beard Boys. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So let's uh, let's hop to it here. Okay. Let's start with a few emails. Okay. One is the Montauk Project here, and uh, this is from. Peter in Columbia, our very regular correspondent. Already, questions. Peter writes to us. Do, 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 do. Um, let's see. You, uh, he enjoyed uh, the Jeff show, as he says. He says I have I gave me a few chuckles. It was so. It sounds like it would make a great comedy film. You know, last week's show about Jeff the talking mongoose. Right? Yeah, I, know, I don't know. Talking mongoose. I feel like it'd be a very unsettling uh, comedy film, but. Uh, regardless, uh, so for the open line show, he starts with the Montauk Project. Um, there are so many wild stories about Montauk, everything from mind control experiments uh, to time travel. Uh, what new or different information can you share on this, and have you discovered any validity to all the Montauk cases? Well, I, did you want to talk about that first, Shane or Ben? Like, I can talk about it. Yeah, I please. actually don't know anything about it, so... <laughs> oh, well, maybe... Well, that's why there are three of us here. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's got to know something, right? I didn't know much, but because of the question, I, I did a lot of research um, since last night, and um, my whole drive here, too. But um, <clears throat> I know it's gained popularity. It's been back out into the public because of uh, the show Stranger Things, and uh, the, the show Fringe has kind of touched on some of these subjects that are brought up in the Montauk Project. And things that are had supposed to go on, go on, so um, it's kind of being um, it is becoming popular again, and that's why we're hearing a lot of interest about it. Um, but we do know with mind control and MK Ultra that that was real. There's through the Freedom Information Act, there, there's been um, documents released from the CIA that actually stated that that was taking place. It's, uh, that's a fact. Was it taking place there? We don't know. But um, what I did find interesting is that there's. Um, the, the, there was a gentleman, I forget his name, but he, to, to prove to an interviewer that there are frequencies being admitted possibly for experimentation on public um, between the, the frequency ranges from 430 megahertz to 450 megahertz. Oh, wow. That's strong. <laughs> yes. Now, also, um, it's, a, I, it's not ironic. I mean, um, not a coincidence, I should say, that people who meditate and... Um, and, and also um, 
um, through hypnosis, they use 432 megahertz. So it's right in the range that's being emitted from from Montauk, um, Camp Hero, and yep. but they're actually able to detect that those are, or at least at the time of this interview, they were still being emitted from this. Uh, Camp Hero, which is supposed to be decommissioned, but they actually believe that there's still something going on there because they're still getting readings, of these, you know, 430 to 450 megahertz. Um, so, but we do know that MK Ultra and mind control experiments were going on. Um, the problem I have with the, the time travel um, aspect of it is. Um, well, I say what hurts that is you have a couple people that are very popular who have supposed to have been time time travelers who are absolutely ridiculous. Um, <laughs> who um, I mean, Balek, um, he predicted a whole lot of things that never came true because um, he was supposed to be, had gone to the future mm-hmm. many many times, and everything that he said never happened, not even close. Um, John Teeter, uh, T I T O R. Um, was supposed to be a time traveler, said that he was always a clone. He was never a human. He was cl- a clone, and but he was a time traveler. Um, that's not who he is. His real name is um, um, Stern, um, something Stern Sr., um, uh, through a background check. Um, so he, he, this guy has been you know, a con man, basically, and, and a liar to sell his books. Um, he receives payments from Amazon for his books in his real name. Yeah. And, and, and so, um, you know, so you got people like that out there um, talking Too about many, the time travel. Yeah. yeah. So it's hard to believe that if, if that program exists. I mean, I'm, I'm sure, I mean, I, I am sure that we've tried to do it. Um, if not succeeded, but, I mean, at least tried, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, yeah. We have that program, but um, but we do know the MK Ultra and the mind control things were going on now were they going on Montauk it appears oh, yeah. that it was it's funny because when I was in, in high school um, I think it was my junior no yeah it was my junior year history class I did a uh, 20 a, a 20 page no a 10 page report on the MK Ultra project <laughs> and my, my my teacher was just like oh I didn't think anybody would pick this, and I was like, <laughs> "I was like, I mean, there's so much like historical evidence that it happened. It's like, you can't ignore it, especially with all the experiments with LSD, which I think is a really weird drug to pick. But I, I don't. I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense because you know you're messing with sensory perception and, and things like that. But I mean, regardless, I, I wish I, I, it makes me kind of want to learn more about the Montauk project and kind of understand how these frequencies are being emitted because that would require an insane amount of power to to produce something like that well i've followed the montauk project uh, alleged montauk project over the years uh one of the, the every once in a while there's some sort of what people think is a clue that emerges and uh there were a few years ago there was a a, a, a body that washed up on the shores near montauk point and mm. it was uh, an animal and we all oh, what is is a strange experiments uh, cloning and uh, making all kinds of strange uh, creatures uh, gene splitting or something and i mean it looked to me just like a a a dog you know some poor unfortunate dog that had you know when things are in the and this is six years in the coast guard talking when things have been in the water for a long time they look really strange mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. it's putting it mildly so i don't think you can really use that however nevertheless the um a couple of things stand out about the Montauk situation. One is its proximity to highly populated uh, areas, uh, Connecticut and certainly New York City, which is the other end of the island from there. 
uh, Rhode Island, not too far really from Montauk Point. Uh, matter of fact, a lot of people don't realize that Rhode Island and the state of New York have a common border, although it's in the water. Uh, between Rhode Island, uh, Block Island, and uh, Fisher's Island, which is part of New York. But uh, be that as it may, uh, ge- geographically, there um, uh, th- this would be the place that you would conduct experiments such as you're talking about mind control, whatever that means. One of the things that we have all been looking at, because we're all working on the, the Connecticut Triangle case uh, in central Connecticut and, and the flap area, as we call it, with all sorts of strange things going on, one of the factors there was was all that strange stuff on Mohawk Mountain. I don't, you, you have been there with. I don't think Ben has seen it, but we nope. went up with with one of our, right. our contacts over there, and the strange uh, apparent changes in public behavior from time to time, which could be coincidence. But I, for one, don't believe in coincidence. This is. Uh, for example, the the uh, people driving on the wrong side of the road in ridiculous numbers for the uh, statistically for the the population of the area. Uh, when that was noticed in the media, that behavior changed and people started driving off the roads and hitting trees. Uh, we have um, examples of of that sort of thing going on in other flat areas as well. So one wonder. So if you were going to experiment with uh, the the uh, particularly sound and everything else, that would be one of the places to do it. Ben, uh, now how how does this 430 to 450 megahertz affect behavior in, in your training as a sound person? Well, I mostly dealt with the the audible frequency spectrum, so I'm kind of going out of my element here. So keep that in mind. Okay. Um, because the well, key- sounds good with it. Yeah. Uh, so I wish I actually had that on as like a hot key here. Some anyway. Um. I forget where I was going with this. Oh, yes. So the so the frequency spectrum that we can hear as humans is relatively limited compared to, you know, the rest of the animal kingdom. Um, we really only hear between 20 hertz and 20 megahertz. So anything that's that's when you're hearing is absolutely perfect, and it's only perfect when you are a, a wee baby. Uh, as, as time goes on, you lose more and more and more um, these tiny little hairs that pe- pick up the frequencies in your ears over time. You lose more and more of those, and so therefore, you know, you get tinnitus and things like that. Yeah, tell me about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it, over time, you know, you're hearing, you know, degrees. But anything that's kind of beyond what we can and can't hear creates some sort of stimulus response. So you can't hear it, but you can usually feel it. It's either extremely highs or extremely lows. Right. So I mean, you have the the um, the spectrum that's like you know infrasound, which is stuff that's so low and it just travels long distances. Because effectively, you know, the lowest frequency we can hear, which is twenty hertz, I'm writing this down so I can remember it. It can travel approximately uh, thirteen hundred miles um, in about an hour. Wow. So I mean, that's why you know if you hear a plane going overhead, you know that. It, it's it travels slowly, but you can you can hear it because it's you know it'll it'll probably be long gone by the time you notice that it's there. But you know you'll look up you'll you'll hear like going by because that lower frequency is just traveling so fast or so slow, but traveling at a, at a far distance. So you know this kind of brings up the idea of resonance. So resonance is a really fascinating thing because it occurs when a certain frequency can't pass through an object. So, like, um, for example, you know, you'll hear, like, someone talking through a wall, right? Usually it sounds kind of muffled. Well, the muffled sound are the frequencies that can pass through the wall. Um, 
So you'll hear, you know, portions of words, maybe you hear rah, 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 rah. Typically you'll hear the lower portions of the frequencies. So anything like, you know, S's or P's or, you know, maybe plosives you might hear, but anything sort of in a higher pitch, you wouldn't be able to hear. So, you know, those some some sounds react with certain materials in such a way where, you know, they can't get through it, so they end up just bouncing back and forth against the materials. So, you know, there's experiments that are usually done with infrasound where they'll they'll have an infrasound generator in a box um, or a room or something that they'll make where they'll know, like, the thickness of the material and what kind of material it would be where, you know, let's say an 8 hertz tone can't, like, you know, pass through, so it, you know, goes back and forth basically in, like, an infinity loop and just gets more and more powerful because it's feeding back on itself. So that's kind of how, how you know... It's like if anybody's ever played an instrument, you know, and you have, you know, your your bass or guitar or whatever up on, like, an amp, and then you'll hit, like, um, I forget if it's, like, an open E or, like, an E chord, and it rattles, like, someone's, like, snare drum or something, because that frequency can't pass through that snare drum, so it'll rattle it, basically, because it's the frequency just, you know, rattling the atoms in a submolecular level. So, I mean, the, we can take this principle of... of um, resonance and kind of apply it to anything in the higher frequency spectrum as well. So if you know, because it's not it's not all all compartmentalized, and I think that's one thing that you know we as humans have trouble realizing, especially in in the modern world where we assume that whatever we do is some sort of is compartmentalized from everything else we do. Like uh, you know, taking Tylenol for a headache. Oh, cool. Hey, your headache's gone, but your liver's being damaged <laughs> by it. Because yeah. everything you do, or like you know, is is sort of separated out. So let's say I don't know, um, you know, someone someone speaking at a normal tone, but for some reason, you know, something's messed up in their vocal cords, and they have an extra vocal cord that happens to emit um, this very specific frequency. Or you know, um, if people are meditating, this is kind of one of the things I'm not knowledgeable about. I actually didn't know about that. 432 megahertz tone because or well it's not really a tone technically but a frequency then yeah. i i'm not quite sure how it's how it's um how it's done in a in a mechanical sense so i can't really speak to it but what i do know is that in some forms of chanting there's like a like a uh, it's not called an ohm um I can't remember what it's called. The Eson? Yes. So in, in, in the yeah, Eastern chant, Byzantine chant. Yeah, so in Byzantine chant, there's an Eson. And it's really interesting, because if, if you're familiar with it, which if you're not, it's it's really interesting. You should give it a, you should, you know, do a little more research into it. Typically, they'll have an Eson, and the way it's kind of sung, it vibrates the nostrils almost. So yeah, it's one single note beneath the, the actual chant. Exactly. But the way that it's chanted, you sort of shift your mouth in such a way that it vibrates your nose. And Tibetan Buddhists do the same thing. Exactly. So it's it's sort of this really interesting problem with... Well, not a problem. By problem, I mean, you know, a puzzle to solve where we know that these things happen and they exist and that they, that, you know, they do have, like, some sort of psychoacoustic, um, you know measurable outcome from it but the way it happens there has to be some sort of inward human thing much like an eson where something vibrates somewhere so fast that no one can really see it or recognize it but at the same time 
if it needs to be produced artificially, like most things produced artificially, it requires an insane amount of power to do so. So one of the fascinating things about this is they would need a ton of power to project it, and to get it in such a in, in such a vast range would be you know would require insane amounts of power. They'd need basically a g- like a bunch of generators, even if they were you know using it underground to to project it at such a rate. You know, it would be smart to do it underground because sound travels farther underground because you don't have to worry about air molecules disturbing things. It's like um, the Navy's weapons with sonar. Mm. And, like, you know, it travels faster underwater because water's thicker than air. So, you know, the thicker the surface, the farther... The distances are enormous. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, the thicker the surface, um, from what I remember from physics, the thicker the surface, the farther the sound travels. A few other circumstantial points about the Montauk case. Remember that uh, Nikola Tesla's set up for global uh, what he was planning to make this sort of global ele- electric transmission without wires mm. was on Long Island actually yeah that's and true yeah. tremendous amounts of power would have been required for that it was never finalized as far as we know but uh, uh, assuming the United States government is not trying to get people to meditate you know by, by using these techniques do you think that uh, uh, Ben correct me if I'm wrong it, it, 450 megahertz isn't that the, the frequency at no, 430 to 450. Oh, yeah. yeah. Isn't that the frequency at which the human eyeball starts to vibrate and people can think, think they're seeing things? Uh, I couldn't tell you, but I can look it up. Okay, I believe it's 450. Yeah, if you could confirm that at some point, that'd be well, good. With the frequencies, too, I was saying, like Ben was talking about the, the low frequencies, um, 20 hertz below, um, that puts us in a state of fear. They actually make a machine that... These well, it's haunted, infrasound, yeah. Yeah. These and we, that's been connected with paranormal activity. Right, exactly. Yeah. But these haunted attractions, actually, you can buy a machine that you can put it into where the people are waiting in line to go through the attraction, so they're built up, they're scared already um, just from the infrasound. But I remember the next time I'm in a meeting. <laughs> but with with the higher frequencies, like so why are they emitting these, these the same range that these people use to meditate? And so... Um, people are using this to meditate also in hypnosis it improves um, the process it, greatly I, I guess is what mm. I'm being told and so with with that frequency definitely all these frequencies have an effect on our emotions and our emotions have frequency as well so it could be sinking us to you know to a, um, a level in ourselves our own vibration we could be sinking with these things um, that's why we're lowered emotional uh, frequency we're, we're in the fear level now we're afraid huh. so maybe these frequencies are raising our um, level of, of suggestibility maybe uh, making us more open um, and perhaps maybe that's why they're they're using those frequencies and that's why it's also effective in hypnosis and trend. yeah so we really I guess the ultimate answer to Peter's question is we don't really know if the Montauk project is actual or not there's all sorts of circumstantial evidence but the, the trouble in, when I heard is uh, they were a lot of people reported that they were torturing children there. Um, Why would they do that? Yeah, exactly. And there's a lot of talk about that. And I was like, but supposedly it was they would torture them and um, and they were projecting those emotions into the public. But how exactly would they oh, do that? Geez. I do know that fear and torture um, opens doors and brings in nasty things, you know. Yeah. So it does have an effect on a, a process of, uh, of us interacting with something else. Um, it definitely does open doors, um, but why would? Yeah, I mean that's it's well. I mean, certainly in a time when everyone seems to be crazy, I mean, <laughs> it makes you wonder. So, I mean, anything is possible, 
but very little is provable. I would say. So that right. I, you want to leave it at that. I don't know. But thank you, Peter, for the excellent question. And we will um, – let's move on to one from uh, Phil here. Phil is in um, Connecticut, and we'll hand this over to Ben. Sure. So Phil writes to us. Uh, well, it's, it's not evening. Uh, good evening, Paul. One common thread in all paranormal experiences that you mention – on your radio show is that uh, they just happen without anyone trying to make them happen, or so it seems. Um, one question is this. At one point, uh, you were fairly certain that there would be a nuclear incident between uh, 2012 and 2016. Do you think that occurred in a parallel world of ours, or perhaps that maybe the good entities trying to help us uh, worked to prevent it? Phil. Okay, uh, we'll have to do a little bit of backtracking. Uh, during that period, uh, we've been on the air since 08. And during that period, there was all this fuss leading up to 2012, okay? Uh, some people believe the world was going to end. Our cousin, the novelist Dierlon, was on the show several times uh, saying this, uh, that, and the other thing about the uh, uh, Mayan calendar, you know, sort of ending at what I guess some people thought was 2012, and probably was. Other people thought that it was until 2030 or something. And it, the Mayans never said the world was going to end, but that everything was going to be different or change or some sort of thing like that. Uh, so, and then, then the probably the uh, the ultimate uh, jocular approach to it was a, a cartoon that someone did showing the Mayan uh, priest uh, being approached by the the guy who was carving the calendar, and he said, "Oh, gee, well, I'm sorry, I only had room to go up to 2012." on the stone, and, and the priest says, oh, boy, that's really going to freak everybody out someday. <laughs> so it, could be, it could have been as simple as that. I don't know. So, But uh, what, what we were saying was that there, was, there were other things other than this calendar, which could mean nothing. There were astronomical factors, such as the, the alignment of, of the, the planets kind of in, in, a, in a flat plane. Uh, in a way, and also in the galactic neighborhood, a sort of a flattening out of things, which is because in their movements they do that about every 600 million years. And every time they have done it, at least we know about the last time, 600 million years was the time of the, uh, the, uh, the Cambrian extinction. Rip. And uh, so, you know, there was some speculation that there was going to be some kind of mass extinction. But um, our, our idea was that, um, yet yeah, things were, there was a certain amount of upheaval. And we never predicted anything. We don't do that. It's really, I think, silly to do that. Everything exists out there in the multiverse. As we've said many times, it's past, present, and future. And this is good Einstein kind of relativity theory. Everything is simultaneous. And everything's happening out there. So sure, yeah, there were, all, there were nuclear wars. Uh, they're going on right now in other parallel worlds and all this sort of thing. And other parallel worlds are... They haven't. Uh, they have no such horrible weapons. You know, every possibility exists out there if this theory is correct. Um, we did not predict a nuclear war. I personally was of the opinion that there there may be a nuclear uh, component to the changes that were going to occur between 2012 and 2016. And things are always changing. Uh, at no point did we think the world was going to end. However, let's look back at that. Uh, all of a sudden, everybody starts coming up. We, we found out at that point India and Pakistan, because a little bit before that we knew that they were nuclear-armed nations. Uh, the whole North Korea nuclear thing uh, sprouted and became a problem and is uh, hopefully being dealt with now uh, to, to a more effective degree than it has been. We'll see. And 
things really have changed a lot since 2012 in our country, in the world. Uh, nations are changing, borders are changing, people seem to be changing. So maybe the whole thing, the Mayan idea was, maybe, you know, the world doesn't have to end. What does that even mean, the world ending? You know, the whole thing going poof, people disappear. I mean, it doesn't have to be that. Rapid and radical change did seem to be occurring during that period and, and is ongoing. And we would always say 2012, 2016, and beyond. So I'm not trying to justify anything we said, but I think we were right. Well, I guess that is just what I was doing. <laughs> but uh, anyway, that's that's how I would respond to Phil's point. All right. Fair enough. Anybody else want to say anything, Ben? You were, you were here during that whole time. So. Well, I'd like to think so. Um, yes. Well... I think it's I think it's an important like I said you you know you pretty much I'm probably going to echo every, everything you said and not really say anything new um but I think it's I think it's interesting the viewpoint that people take of the world ending you know uh, everything's bad I've got a funny feeling in my toe <laughs> yes I'm wearing glasses yeah basically yeah. so I think I think it's really interesting the fascination Mostly in America, it doesn't really seem to be anywhere else where that I can yeah. see is kind of like you know a pop culture thing where, well, the world's going to end. So, well, a lot of ways, at least the northern hemisphere, western world is one big happy lunatic asylum. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's true. Um, I think it's really interesting that that's that's um, that it, there's there's always been an emphasis, especially in American history, of you know doomsday prophets. Yeah, and, you know, well, that comes from the the so-called Great Enlightenment of the eighteenth, uh, nineteenth century, with the religious uh, revivals and this, this uh, idea of the rapture and the, the revelation, which is actually a new idea that 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 wasn't present in the same way in the early church and going on. You know, it was sort of a it's sort of a nineteenth-century American idea. Uh, at least the yeah. way it's approached by, but I mean, maybe it's right. I don't know, but I mean, it's just, it's just, it's not theological as far as the, his history is concerned. No, anyway. well, Revelation's very misunderstood. So I, I think it's, I think it's interesting that that it was such a big deal, but it was, it was so widely accepted. I think out of pretty much all the Doomsday movements, I think the 2012 one was probably the most widely accepted out of all of them. Well, we got a lot of shows out of it. You know, we, we, we took no position on it except, to, you know. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think. I don't think we were wrong at all. Um, you know, it may not have turned out the way we thought, but well, I, I didn't know what I, I thought. I didn't know what I thought either. I I thought mostly, you know, yeah. I mean, it just makes sense. Just looking geopolitically, that you know, nuclear issues would be a thing again, and yeah, they are. They are <laughs> very they much are. so. Yeah. So I mean, I think I think it's it's interesting about all these all these these friends that we had. We're like, oh, the world world's gonna end, and then it was completely fine. So I, so I mean. <laughs> well, I remember we had a, we went to, to, to Zero, cousin Zirolan's house in Connecticut and we had an end of the world party. On, that, it was the, the 21st of December. I think it was the, the 20, yeah. day or two before or after that, but we, we yeah. all had a great time. 12, 21, 12, yes. Yes, that's but right. I, I remember I was hanging out with And we, you and I had just come back from England where we were working at Randall's from Forest and all. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. It was back when I still had hair. Anyway, uh, yes, we it was. Get considerable no, amounts of hair. Uh, oh, are we? Uh, oh, we we're are. at our break. I'm sorry. We okay. Well, we will take our break at this point, and uh, you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno with our special guest co-host Shane Searway today. We're having open lines on WOON 1240 AM and 99.3 FM in New England's beautiful but messy Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back. 
Hi, this is Don Brunell inviting you to join us on the Midday Show from noon to 2 every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday with the Super Quiz, great oldies, and interesting guests. That's Midday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday from noon to 2. Don Brunell returns to the Midday Tuesday, March 12th. Owen Radio! Hey, welcome back behind the paranormal, and we have open lines today. And uh, before we leave the subject of 2012, uh, and the and Phil's question, Shane, did you have any thoughts on that whole thing? You were around too. Yeah, I never had any concerns over 2012. Um, I don't know why. I know a lot of people did, but yeah, um, even with the mind calendar and all that, it it just it it never. I was. I think I was more concerned over Y2K. You know. Oh yes, yeah. You know. Yeah, that's right. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's a good thing somebody thought, you know, that dawned on somebody. Yeah. <laughs> been back in the Stone Age. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So well, there we have it. So okay, now we have a question. Uh, this is from Richard in San Francisco, and it has to do with Jeff, the talking mongoose that we talked about last week. Uh, that was a fun show. Hefe. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Rick writes to us. Uh, do you think that Jeff had a, had a parasite? Uh, he seemed he seemed like he seemed to create quite a lot of energy in the local community. Oh, that's a good. Well, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if had. I feel like he if if there was a parasite involved, it would have been him himself. Well, let's give the background first. Yes. If anybody didn't hear last week's show, right. in uh, 1930 1931 on the Isle of Man, which is a, a lovely little place off the coast of uh, England, uh, in the Irish Sea, actually, it it's um, there was a. a uh, phenomenon in a farmhouse and there were two people and their daughter and the daughter's name was Vori and there was the, the Irving family and they heard all these strange sounds in the walls and all this stuff and all of a sudden uh, there was this voice that said it was a, a, an extra extra special mongoose <laughs> which I guess so if it was uh, having a conversation and uh, it would it would had its it became a sort of like an unofficial pet and supposedly it was seen and they had, it was photographed supposedly and um the word got around and and it was it just reminded me so much of the Bridgeport Connecticut poltergeist case where you had the alleged talking cat Sam uh, whom I knew very well and I I believe it was a little girl throwing her voice and you know and the, but the, but the family swore that the cat would would talk and pound on the door and all sorts of stuff so this is a sort of this sort of thing with Jeff spelled G E F uh, so, th- so that's the background of this. But uh, it just, it, and of, of course, the Bridgeport case was a parasite case. I've heard of animals, um, the, the tulpas, as the Tibetan Buddhists would call them, uh, parasites that will masquerade as animals, or at least that's what you see them, and with the red eyes and all this. And uh, Jeff uh, supposedly would go around and steal stuff from the neighbors, go out and kill rabbits, and acted kind of like an animal. Uh, so I, 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 but not having been there, uh, even I wasn't alive in the 1930s. It was um, a matter of uh, speculation that this was indeed, I think, a, certainly a, a parasite. One of the things that uh, I don't know if we really got into this with Tim Swartz, our guest last week, who just wrote the book on this, uh, Jeff the Talking Mongoose, was uh, what other phenomena would occur in the I house. Act- I was just going to bring that up. And there was some. No, go ahead, Ben. Take oh, it. no, I, I was actually going to bring up um, not in the house, but on the island. Okay. Because he, he started the show um, at the, be- the very beginning of it, and we didn't get a chance to get back to it, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of annoyed with myself that I didn't bring it back up again. But we can do another show. That's that. true. So they, there was, I, he was mentioning that there were legends of fairies on the island yes. and all sorts of other you know um, spooky things that happened, and 
that's why you know I did want to bring up well was there not anything else that happened in the house but anything else that was that may or may not have been going on in the area at the time of this because as as we all know none of this is separate you know it's all related in some way shape or form it's like um you know there's such a huge tradition of fairies back in the day who knows maybe Jeff was a fairy but, or in this case you know whatever that may be exactly yeah, moving, you know, so sort of, you know, shifting terms around to make them sound a little less ridiculous. Mm. You know what I mean? Shane? I missed the show last week, so... Um, oh, good grief. Yeah, I always I always listen on Monday. Yeah, okay. Know? So if it's a show that I'm not on, I listen to Monday, so I'm up to date. Mm-hmm. But I, I had such a busy week, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't get around to it, so... Um, but I'd, I'd like to hear more about it. Well, I think we, it was so popular. I think we might, well, we're going to do open lines again next week. We may hear about it again. Oh wow! Maybe there's some questions I forgot to bring. But <clears throat> okay, we have a question here from um, from Facebook, and well, not from it was on Facebook. <laughs> Bob in Natick, Massachusetts. Facebook writes to us. No, Bob. Bob <laughs> you're in trouble now. Bob writes to us. Uh, I recently listened to your show after listening to some of Shane's stuff, and uh, your theories have really changed uh, my opinion of the paranormal. I'm a Christian, and I've been fascinated uh, by the paranormal for quite some time. I'm very open-minded and would love, love to know how you feel about God and Jesus. Uh, for, for me, your points make sense, but I'm struggling with fitting my Christian beliefs with the multiverse. There's so much unanswered, un, unanswered, and your theories have blown my mind so so much. Uh, that have blown my mind so much, but I need to hold on to my Christian beliefs. Um, can you share how you feel about God and Jesus, and help me navigate this in the multiverse? Um, because I think you're onto something big here. Okay, uh, just basic. And, and if you fellows want to chime in here, just. But I, I think there aren't an awful lot of people in this field who have real theological educations from real institu- seminaries and institutions of uh, accredited institutions of learning and I, I that's I, there's a lot of stuff I don't know about but that's one of the things I was educated in formally in, in studies for the priesthood but um, th- this is a question that came up with me starting in the 1970s and I, we get it a lot because uh, it just it, 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 on the face of it People, the first question they ask is, okay, I'm a Christian, or I'm a Jew, or I'm a Muslim, or I'm this, that, and anything. I belong to this, this or that religious group. Is it okay to believe in the paranormal? Uh, other people are, are just the opposite. And they will say, well, gee, you know, God and angels and stuff, that's like spirits, that's paranormal, right? So, so they go haywire with it, and they do all kinds of stuff that, that their particular religious group frowns upon, such as Ouija boards and, and all this other stuff. So I think for me personally, it enhanced my faith. I don't talk about my own religious faith, which might be is not necessarily what I learned in the seminary these days, you know, today and for a long time. But uh, I do have a, a great faith and uh, in and love for God. I, I maintain a a personal rule of prayer and uh, I take my spirituality very seriously and I just try to keep getting better at it uh, so I think it has these particular the multiverse idea has enhanced my faith uh, because uh, for many reasons but because of the idea that um, of the infinity of all creation uh, what you learn in the seminary and in, in catechism class or wherever is that the creation is the result of God's uncontainable love. It exploded, could not contain itself, and manifested as as creation. Well, if, lo- if God is infinite, his love would be, and his, he, he, she, or it, love would be infinite, 
and therefore creation. Wouldn't that be infinite too? Which means what? It means an infinite multiverse in which all possibilities exist in one great, elegant perfection. And I think that's the beginning of not a new theology, but a beginning of maybe um, an understanding of, of the theology that's already there. I, that's to me, anyway. So I don't know, Shane, you have any thoughts? Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with everything you just said, obviously. And um, that's why we have you on the show all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you know, with, you know, God is everything, and and, and um, he, he's all of us, and we're all connected through God. And, and but with. Um, <clears throat> With what you're saying, like you know, everything exists. Um, but also, I do believe um, this is my opinion, and um, is that spirituality obviously is important. And religions, there's all kinds of different forms, whether they're negative ones or positive ones. They're all tools to kind of really keep us at at a certain frequency level, um, an emotional state of being. Um, and some bring us. Um, a lot of these religions are fear-based. Um, so, if, you know, if you do this, you're going to burn. If you do that, you're going to burn. I've talked about this before. And mm. those people end up, they're supposed to be pr- uh, practicing a positive religion. Um, but because whether it's a Catholic or whatever, a certain different Catholic church or, or another one, you know, there's so so many of them that use fear-based tactics that um, these people that are supposed to be, close to God or, you know, um, and praying to God end up getting into trouble because they're walking through life with fear and they become a target of a parasite because they're, if I do this, um, well, if they see someone that they're attracted to, oh, that's impure thought and no, I'm going to burn, you know. So I think it's important with whatever um, religion you choose and there's a lot of good ones out there and, and, you know, we don't know which one's right, but I think the one that is right is the one that's right for you to keep you elevated in a, in a better, in a, a positive emotional state. So that's the purpose of what a religion should be, is to keep you um, in, a, in a positive place. Yeah. I would just point out, just, uh, just uh, to be specific about uh, the question yeah, uh, from Bob here, uh, I, I don't know what Christian group he belongs to. Uh, there are upwards of, this is no exaggeration, upwards of 20,000 different Christian sects around the world, all of whom claim to follow the Bible. Um, there are problems with some of them because I think that they are negative in their approach. Um, there are issues with the translations of the Bible. Uh, everybody says, well, it says this. Well, it says that in English. Mm. But if you read it in, in well, well, I don't know Aramaic, but I, I with Greek, everything in the New Testament was written in Greek, uh, Koine Greek, ex- common Greek, except Mark, which is the oldest gospel, is written in Aramaic, which is the language Jesus spoke. But unless you, or in the Old Testament is in Hebrew, uh, in ancient Hebrew, had it's difficult to read for people today because it has no word separations and has no vowels. <laughs> so I mean, modern Hebrew they're vowel marks, so you can you know. So, but but the point is that the English translations are generally pretty miserable, mm. and it may not say. And even if it if it's if it's even halfway accurate, which which most of it I suppose is, you, you're hearing it out of a Western American European point of view, which is affected by what we just said that the so-called Great Enlightenment of the 19th century has Western ideas, and it is not a product of that's not what the Bible is a product of. It's a product of Eastern thought, uh, which is rather quite different. So you can hear. The same words, but hear them in a different way and having a different meaning. So, uh, I'm, Bob may be sweating at this point, but I think my advice to Bob and to all 
people of good heart and good faith is just do what I do. Keep it simple. You know, don't worry about a lot of these things. You know, follow, um, you know, have your faith. Um, try to have a good um, person who, from your religious group who has a simple faith and can guide you in a simple way. And um, I just keep it simple. Just, just it's Because in the end, it's you standing naked before God. All theology ends in silence. All speculation ends in silence. And I would just say, just it, it, it's it's simple in the end, and I think that's what Jesus w- was talking about was a simple faith, you know. Um, in in uh, the Orthodox tradition that Ben was brought up in, certainly, it's uh, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Alms being an old word for charity and, and sharing. So pray, which is not the same thing as saying prayers. You got to read one of my books. That I don't have time to talk about that now, and that's not what, we're, what our subject is. Prayer, fasting. And fasting doesn't mean giving things up for Lent, which Lent just started for many of the traditions. And uh, it, that's a whole different thing. Uh, so I'd concentrate on those those three things. And, and, and sharing, charity, almsgiving, um, love, really. Mm-hmm. So prayer, fasting, and love. And that, that's simple, and that's what I would say to Bob. I agree, too. And I, I always go by that, you know. Drop the ego. Um, Precisely. Yeah. Yep. Uh, be humble and humility. Yeah. And everybody says, that, including the Buddha. Yeah. Everybody, the ego is, is the, the passions are the problem. Huge. Yeah. yeah. And um, and you know, learn to listen to other people too and connect. You know. Yeah. Um, so I mean, truly listen and and connect with people. You know. But yep. but yeah, dr- drop the ego and and be humble and uh, live with love. Exactly. Ben, I have any thoughts? You know, I think it's really interesting that back in the day, you know, there were there were few few major Christian virtues. You know, you had um, well, there are there are a ton of virtues, but there were a couple of main ones. And one of them was skepticism, and the other one was mystery. And people love mysteries, but they don't like when they're not solved. And one <laughs> yeah. of the th- one of the things that I sort of grew up with is, you know, sometimes there's just stuff you don't know. You know, there's, you know, there's, there's mysteries all around you. And I think one of the big problems with the modern and the Western world is they try to explain everything. And sometimes there's just stuff you can't explain. And, you know, once you learn to kind of accept that, then it, it really, I think, I think it's, it's one of, one of the major things that we've kind of lost is, you know, our, our love for mystery. Because I think one of the, the major things I kind of really, really grew up you know, understanding was there's just you know who cares? You live you live for you live for now, and you you live to be a good person. I was actually kind of I I get I get you know daily spiritual quotes and stuff, and one of my my favorite Orthodox saints is Saint Theophon the Recluse, and he was a monk that lived in the woods of the Ukraine, I believe, and um, he had a quote that was uh, "You must kill egoism." And that's a huge, a huge deal is to, you know, you have to, you know, forget yourself to, to love yourself and to move forward. There's this idea that a a spiritual father of mine once said, which is called kenosis, which is, it it essentially means, you know, um, you, you give of yourself for the betterment of others. And I think, I think that that along with mystery is something that needs to be rekindled. 
and the idea of the multiverse is a mystery. You know, it's it's the mystery of existence. You know, the mystery of God because we can't understand God or know God. It's it, you can you can try to. You know, you can you never going to happen on a, in our narrow paradigm, no. our, our terms. Well, as, as Saint John of the Ladder said, it's an infinite spiral upwards. You know, you can get as close as possible. You know, um, heaven is only the the first step. You know, it's 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 the the first step in a major chain of events of you know theosis, the idea of becoming like God, which is impossible. But there's a way to at least be like that. Mm. And I think I think one of the things that we should really you know really focus on is just simple things, like you said. Yeah. So Bob, I hope that was of some help. Okay, um, we have time maybe for one more uh, question. Well, if, Bob has a follow up question. Okay, but well, why don't we leave that for next yeah, week? It's, it's, it's yeah, it's a big one. So well, uh, not that we want to keep him guessing, but. No, no, no. But we do have one from Carly in um, from Western Australia, and she writes to us, um, I saw Paul and Ben on the Conjuring feature, uh, The Devil's Hour. Uh, you didn't really explain why you think things tend to happen at 3 a.m., and why is that? Because it was edited out. <laughs> Everything intelligent we said was edited out of that, with all due respect of Warner Brothers and Vice, whoever... And <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we taped that, at our. they came to our house... And we both lived there at the time, taped for a day and a half, and they cut out everything intelligent we said. And what we said, Ben, you said the most intelligent thing that they left in, and that was if you think you're going to see something uh, spooky, you're going to see something spooky. You probably oh, will. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, because I, I, I phrased it in a very yeah. simplistic way, so it sounded dumb. <laughs> well, it didn't sound dumb at all. I mean, But anyway, basically, the, the uh, I was um, putting my money, such as it is, on the telluric current. Uh, that's a uh, electrical current, and, and as we were talking about before, it's not just sound; but it's also electricity and electromagnetic fields that will affect the human mind, and uh, even waking and sleeping and all these things. The the telluric current uh, sort of zips around, uh, following the sun on the surface or just below the surface of the planet, and it's about three to four o'clock in the morning in many latitudes that you will have the sun kind of just beginning to peep. Uh, or coming around, and, and the electromagnetism is such that it will attract it to lower current. I think when it affects, it can affect the human mind. That's why maybe you wake up, or you you think you're seeing something, or you really are seeing something, or it messes with the multiversal membranes or whatever. And uh, that's we, I kind of said that, and they took it all out. So I don't know, Shane. What do you think about that? No, I, I agree with you exactly. Three o'clock thing. You know. Yeah, because. It, it, that's the only logical explanation, you know. Um, yeah. I haven't seen it to be as big as is what you know they everyone wants it. To yeah, be, they, they, everybody wants to pin down something like concrete, and you can't. Yeah, I just I don't. There's not enough there for me to to really say, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's like Ben said too, you know. Whenever you put your attention on something specifically, you're opening yourself up to it, and you will attract some of these things. They will play on that, these parasites, you yeah. know. So if you believe that, they they will play on that. Precisely, yes. yeah. They will be what you expect them to be in many cases. Oh, absolutely. As long as it's not snakes or spiders, I'm a happy kid. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you had an issue with spiders over there. Oh yeah, no, not not a huge fan of <clears throat> Yeah, it's the legs. It's too many of them. the legs. The legs. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, yes. So the the issue of the the three o'clock. I mean, and even and Andrea Perrin, who's a friend of ours, has been on the show, 
And uh, she was saying, obviously, that the movie is is not accurate. Mm. Obviously, it's entertainment, not a documentary. And uh, the whole straight clock thing was uh, problematic in that. But you do you do hear that uh, when you're my age, it's usually uh, something totally non-paranormal that wakes you up. Uh, if you know what I mean. And uh, so th- that's mm-hmm. that's essentially what that is. Uh, Carly, thank you for the uh, the question. Now. Um, is there another really short one? Uh, well, let's let's find out here. We have. I'm uh, sorry, I'm just reading through this quickly. Okay, cool. Uh, so we have Lee from Windsor, Ontario, um, who writes to Lee? us. Yes, okay. Lee. Uh, I listen to your show every uh, every week for years, and I remember an amazing conversation you had with Linda Moulton Howe about strange sky sounds. We had them in Detroit, in the Detroit Windsor area. Have you found out more uh, about a cause for these sounds? That's a really good question. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to Shane, but just briefly, in in your area, Lee, there was an island in the middle of the, I think it's the Detroit River, between the two lakes, and uh, you got Detroit. That's one of the few places where Canada is south of the United States. Mm. Ontario is south of the Detroit uh, there. You can see the skyline from Windsor. Windsor is a beautiful town. And there was some sort of a, a, a fan at, at a, a deactivated or unused uh, industrial plant, and the fan or fans were being pushed by the wind and creating infrasound. Mm. Right? Oh, that's kind of cool. And uh, that was uh, often thought to be the cause of the sounds that were going on in Windsor. And then we got a lot of people in Windsor, because uh, they used to hear it. When we were on CBS, we were on one of the Detroit stations. Oh, yes. And they would hear us, and they, they would write in about these sounds that were happening. This is back in 2013 20, or so. Yeah, 2011, 2013. Yeah. So something in that area. Yeah, I yeah that, so yeah. Uh, it could be something like that. Uh, but as the sounds we were talking about with Linda, you know, you know, like metallic sounds like coming out of the sky and all sorts of things. And, and uh, I'm not aware of any concrete explanation for that or the Taos, Taos hum, as in Taos, New Mexico, T-A-O-S. Uh, it sounds kind of like a diesel truck uh, sort of idling in the, in the distance. So um, hmm. seismic energies have been postulated as a possible cause. Yeah, um, they're being recorded all over the place. Like these trumpet, mm. sometimes they sound yeah. like trumpets, other times they sound like a metallic. Um, more and more of them, I mean, just go on YouTube and they're, they're freaky. I mean, um, but... Well, you have to be careful what you see on YouTube, but you're right, a yeah. lot of them are legit. Yeah, you can tell. Yeah. And and now, even the, the, the booms, too, like mm. um, as far back as, as the settlers came here, we had the Seneca guns, right? Um, yes. Yep. And so... Those booms are, are being heard in North Carolina. They're actually, uh, about a month ago, my house shook twice and hmm. about two minutes apart. And you're in New Hampshire. Yeah. I'm Thank in, you for struggling down, by the way, today in this so weather. So all of southern New Hampshire, there were reports to the police in, in Nashua, and which is the biggest city near where I live, and yeah. uh, northern Massachusetts. People were reporting these booms that were shaking their house. No explanation for it whatsoever. There was a news source that came forward and said that uh, they, it was suggested to them that it was Fort Devon's. But Fort Devens yeah. don't do those practices anymore. They they use um, t- training spies, and yeah. that's it. But okay. we're to take our break. But um, yeah, it's it. Uh, actually, we we have more questions on this that I didn't bring today. So we we'll, let's start that next week, mm. uh, as far as that's concerned. So cool. Ben, um, I guess I'm I'm uh, well. First of all, Shane, tell us about yourself and where people can find out more, especially on YouTube. 
Well, my website is trueghost.com, which looks absolutely horrible right now. Um, I still haven't gotten <laughs> it's around getting to there. It's getting fix it. Well, it, it got damaged. Something happened to it, and it looks terrible. But um, I'll be fixing that. There'll be a lot more content up there too. Some some a lot of videos that I've uh, interviews I've done and, and lectures and stuff. I'll be putting up there. But you can also look me up on YouTube. There's all kinds of interviews on other shows and and. Um, and also, um, I have a channel called Exposing the Paranormal TV, which has kind of been on pause for four months now, but um, I'm going to be kicking that up again. i got all kinds of new equipment, so it, it should be a lot better, um, but I'll be doing that soon. Okay. Uh, my next book, uh, Dancing Past the Graveyard, Poltergeists, Parasites, Parallel Worlds, and God, is now available for pre-order on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and other online retailers. Uh, it has an official release date of August 28th, not as far away as it sounds. Uh, that's when the book should be in stores, but the official release event will take place with our good friends at the Toadstool Bookshop in Keene, New Hampshire, on Saturday, September 21st, beginning at 2 p.m. We'll provide more information as we go. Alrighty, for any odd friends or family members whose uh, tastes run to the weird and unexplained, you can try giving them autographed copies of our books. Our latest titles include Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong, and Behind the Paranormal 2, Bigfoot, Mothman, and Monsters You Never Heard Of. And they're available from online retailers and in some stores, but for autographed copies, you can only get those at BehindTheParanormal.com. Yeah, our next event will be on April 23rd at 1 p.m. Uh, when we'll be back at the Town of Prospect Senior Center in Connecticut for a presentation. It is, despite the name, it's a very exciting place, unbelievably fantastic people, and it's open to the public. So check that out, too, uh, when we're over there. Alrighty, and after that comes the uh, X-Filers United uh, 2019 convention uh, set for April 26th through the 28th at the Crown Plaza Hotel in Warwick, Rhode Island. Uh, this event uh, covers all areas of the paranormal, UFOs, ghosts, cryptids, and pretty much anything else you can think of, and maybe some stuff you can't think of. <laughs> uh, along with us, speakers will include our popular guest co-host, Shane Searway over here, uh, filmmaker Alexander Petikoff, UFO researcher and experiencer Mike Stevens, along with uh, America's youngest recognized cryptid expert, Colin Schneider, and uh, famous medium Gary McKinsky, or McKinstry, I'm sorry, <laughs> author uh, Susan Brunel, UFO experiencer Tom Reed, and a uh, number of other big names as well. Now, uh, we'll give you more details as they firm up, and the website is xfilersunited.com. And events later this year will include appearances at uh, Nashua, the Nashua, New Hampshire Public Library in August, uh, the Book Lovers Gourmet in Webster, Massachusetts, and in September, along with uh, uh, other events that will include the Exeter UFO Festival and the Greater New England UFO Conference as well. Okay, also in the works is the third book we're writing together, and um, this one will be on the subject of UFOs. Uh, go ahead, Shane. All right. Also at BehindTheParanormal.com, there are links to several charities we have adopted on the show, including USA Cares, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, Helping ha- Haiti's Orphans, Youth Mentoring Connection, YMC um, in Los Angeles, and the Crohn's and Clays Foundation of America. And Ben, what's the special charity for March? So the special charity is, uh, well, just sort of a reminder that it is National uh, MS Awareness Month, and um, I know uh, the more people I am talking to, the more people are are actually afflicted with MS, and uh, it is a truly horrible disease. So contributing to it will definitely be, you know, if if you're looking for a charity to donate to, there's plenty of MS charities out there that you can you can donate to because it is a great cause uh, for a very terrible affliction. Okay. Uh, well said, Ben. What do we have in store for next week? So we've got uh, some some cool stuff going on. Uh, so on uh, March 17th here on ON 1240 and uh, 99.3 FM, uh, we'll be back 
uh, with the second of the two back-to-back open line shows here with Shane Searway, weather permitting. Uh, we'll continue to tackle questions from uh, listeners on all paranormal subjects, uh, so you can get your questions in via paul at behindtheparanormal.com. You can message us on Facebook as well, or you can call during the show, uh, 401-766-1240. Okay, we're done, folks. See you next week. <laughs> Return to this radio frequency 